I'm excited to be able to share with you some of what God says in His Word because I am convinced that what God says in His Word through our study in Joshua today is what God wants our church family to hear, whether we're gathering in the worship center, in the gym venue, or in Liberty Hill. This is God's message for our church family. I'm excited to dig in together into Joshua. How are you doing so far in our study in Joshua? We've gone through a couple sermons now. We're going to hit sermon three today. The first couple of sermons feel like the Lord is encouraging us to consider how we might be used to help others around us find Him and follow Him. And one of the ways was to find someone, begin praying about finding someone, utilize the relationships we have in family and make sure we're pouring our life into someone like Moses did Joshua, to find a Joshua. You've begun praying about your Joshua. You've begun interacting with your Joshua, helping them see the Lord and His goodness. God wants to use you like that. If we're going to be a people who God uses to help others find Him and follow Him, if that's the way God intends to use us to take our land, then we've got to prepare to take our land. We talked about some of those first preparations, about listening to the Lord, about spending time in His Word regularly so we can hear the Lord speak to us and in response to His leadership in our lives to say to the Lord, whatever you command, we will do whatever you say we should do. We're going to do it wherever you send us. We're going to go. We just want you to help us help others find you so they can follow you. How are you doing with those things? This morning we're going to jump into Joshua chapter 2. It's going to be a passage about one of the worst kept secrets in the Bible. Now, something's interesting about the concept of keeping secrets, because frankly, we don't do it. Have you noticed that? Have you ever been a part of this kind of conversation? Someone comes to you and says to you, I want to tell you something, but you can't tell anybody. I'm not even supposed to tell you, but I'm going to tell you, but you can't tell anybody. Ever had that happen? And then, and then you listen to that and you think, wow, I can't wait to tell so-and-so about that. And you go to that person and you say, you can't tell anybody this. I'm not even supposed to tell you, but get a load of this. You ever been a part of that? I mean, everybody in here has been a part of something like that. It's hard to keep secrets. And, and what I love about the Scripture is the Scripture kind of gets out in front of us because we don't do a good job keeping secrets and just conveys to us from beginning to end in the Bible that there really is no such thing as a secret. The scripture conveys to us that everything that is done in secret will be made known from the mountaintop. Everything that's done in the darkness will be brought forth into the light. The scripture is very clear that everything that's hidden will be revealed. There is no such thing as a secret. It'll save us a lot of pain, right? If we just accept what the Bible is communicating, we should not think that there's anything like a secret. 
So here's what we're doing in our church to kind of get out in front of the misunderstanding that there's such a thing as secrets. We're trying to live here in our church family with spiritual authenticity that is demonstrated through rigorous honesty. We just think it's a lot better to align ourselves with the fact that Scripture says anything we try to hide, it's going to be unveiled at some point. Why not get out in front of that and just live rigorously honest? So I want to tell you a little bit about my spiritual journey this last week. As I've studied Joshua chapter 1 and chapter 2, I've noticed in chapter 1 that Joshua is exhorted to be strong and courageous multiple times. And there is a phrase at the end of chapter 1 that kind of bridges into chapter 2, and the phrase is only be strong and courageous. And that phrase has been ringing in my heart throughout the week. Last week as I was preparing For Joshua chapter 1, only be strong and courageous. Now the context of that final phrase in chapter 1 is from the two and a half tribes who received special instruction from Joshua. Joshua gave them special instruction and to the special instruction they responded with, Joshua, whatever you command, we're going to do it. Wherever you send us, we're going to go. We're going to give everything we've got for this. We're going to expect everybody else to give everything they got. Only be strong and courageous. That's what they said to Joshua. We're going to give everything we are, but what we need is a leader that's strong and courageous. That's what we need. Man, that just, that just settled on my heart and brought back Some memories. Can you imagine those two and a half tribes saying to Joshua, hey, we're going to do whatever you command. We're going to go wherever you say we should go. We're all in. We're going to expect everybody to be all in. But what we really need is a leader who is weak and cowardly. They weren't going to say that. So I had these memories come back into my mind of the pastor search process in 2014 and 2015 with me and the search committee here at our church. And I was reminded about what they were looking for in a pastor. They actually changed the title. When they began looking for a new pastor, they changed the title for what they're looking for to the title of lead pastor, indicating something of which the, what they were looking for, what they're praying for. In fact, I have in their own writing, some of the things they were praying for when they were looking for a new lead pastor. This is what they said. We're praying for a pastor who will boldly proclaim the truth of God's word, who will lead our leaders with a vision for the future, who will love his own family in a way that will show us how to love our families better, will teach us to love Jesus more, and train us to make disciples here in Georgetown and around the world. That's what the pastor search committee was looking for. When I met with them and they described what they're looking for, they did not say to me, we really would love to have a new lead pastor, and we'd be okay if he was sometimes weak and sometimes cowardly. Do you fit that description? That's not what they said. 
They communicated to me they wanted a lead pastor who would essentially be strong and courageous. I don't know if they thought I would become that or if I was that, but whatever happened, they decided to bring me here. And I can tell you, I want to be a lead pastor who's strong and courageous. I suspect you want a lead pastor who's strong and courageous, not weak and cowardly. Back in January, I was asked the question, what do you fear that you should not fear? One of my mentors asked me that question. I had an answer that quick. You know what my answer was? I fear failing as the lead pastor of FBG. You know, there's some kinds of fear that motivate you to be strong and courageous. And there are some kinds of fear that produce opportunity for weakness and cowardice. I was confessing the kind of fear that leads to weakness and cowardice. I'm afraid of failing, and I shouldn't be afraid of failing. Here's what I meant by that. I meant I'm fearful of caving to a perceived pressure and just leading in such a way that people like me and they like the comfort of our community good friends we have and the good church we're part of. I fear caving to not being strong and courageous and leading the way God's called me to lead, whether you like me or not. Now I tell you that this morning because I suspect that I'm not alone. When it comes to fear. And I know that God has called me to be the lead pastor of our church family. And it necessitates strength and courage to do whatever God calls me to do and to go wherever God calls me to go, no matter what. But I'm not the only one he's called to lead. He's called every one of us to lead the people he's placed us around to find God and follow him. And I suspect that I'm not alone in being afraid. And so this week as I've studied Joshua chapter 2, I want to tell you God has so encouraged my soul. And I just want us to work through this amazing story so that we might as a church family share in that encouragement and experience the great gift of strength and courage that comes from the Lord. So let's dig into Joshua chapter 2 together.
We're going to read verse 1 to get us started, and then we'll read some select passages through Joshua chapter 2. I'll be reading from the Christian Standard Bible this morning. So let's read chapter 2, verse 1. Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two men as spies from the Acacia Grove, saying, Go and scout the land, especially Jericho. So they left and they came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. Joshua sends out these two spies. Here's the setup for the real heart of the story. Joshua sends out these two spies secretly, the worst kept secret in the Bible perhaps. And they go into Jericho and the first place they go is Rahab's house. Now, I suspect in Jericho there would have been a lot of opportunities to go to a lot of different places that would have been a, would have been a place where a visitor to the city could go and not be suspected as being up to something mischievous. So they chose to go to Rahab's house, the harlot's house. Probably could have gone to a number of other prostitutes. But they chose Rahab. You know why? Don't, don't forget this. They went to Rahab's house because God was in control. You, you, you know why we can be strong and courageous? Because God is in control. He really is. They end up at Rahab's house and the king of Jericho already knows about the spies being in Jericho and about the spies being at Rahab's house. The king already knows this secret. And so the king sends some of his people to Rahab's house in order to find those spies and to apparently interrogate or execute them. And so the king's men comes to Rahab's house. Rahab answers the door and they ask Rahab about the spies that came to her house if she would turn them over to them, tell them where they are. She says, oh yeah, they, they were here and they're gone. They've already been about their way. And if you hurry real fast, they went that way. You can probably catch them. Rahab lies to the king's men, effectively lying to the king, betraying her king and her people. She lies. Now what's unbelievable about this scenario is that Rahab knew more than the king of Jericho. The king of Jericho knew about the spies in Rahab's house, but Rahab knew the king of Jericho knew about the spies in her house. And before the king sent his men, Rahab took the spies and hid them so the king's men wouldn't find them. So Rahab knew more than the king. Worst kept secret in the Bible. Let's pick up the story. In verse 8. Before the men fell asleep, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that the terror of you has fallen on all of us and everyone who lives in the land is panicking because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to Sihon and Og, the two Amorite kings, you completely destroyed across the Jordan. 
When we heard this, we lost heart, and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven and above and on earth below. Do you notice what Rahab just did? She demonstrated unbelievable courage. She hides the spies, lies to her king, goes to the spies and says, everyone here is terrified. But here's what I know. Your God is the one true God. You you see in Rahab a shifting of loyalties. In her shift of loyalties, something starts working itself out of her courage and strength. Keep reading with me. Verse 12, now please swear to me by the Lord that you will also show kindness to my father's family because I showed kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father, mother, brothers, sisters, and all who belong to them and save us from death. She says to the spies, I believe your God is the one true God. And I'm asking you because I have acted in the belief that your God is the one true God and have shown you kindness that you would show kindness to my family and save us. She asks for a deal. Look what the spies say to her. Verse 14, the men answered her, we will give our lives for yours. If you don't report our mission, we will show kindness and faithfulness to you when the Lord gives us the land. The spies agree. They accept the deal. And Rahab has been promised that she will be saved. She and all her household. Now look what happens, verse 15. She let them down by a rope through a window since she lived in a house that was built into the wall of the city. She says to the spies, verse 16, go to the hill country so that the men pursuing you won't find you. She said to them, hide there for three days until they return. Afterwards, go on your way. Do you notice what Rahab just did? She saved them again. She, she has all the intel. She may, be the, she may be the secret service of Jericho. She has all the intel, and she tells the spies how to make it back safely. What is she saying? What is she implying? I believe the Lord will spare me. And so I'm directing you on the basis of my faith in the God of Israel so that you will be safe. And I'm trusting that you will keep your word just as you've said. Look what they say to her, verse 17. The men said to her, We will be free from this oath you made us swear, unless when we enter the land you tie this scarlet cord to the window through which you let us down. Bring your father, mother, brothers, and all your father's family into your house. If anyone goes out The doors of your house, his death will be his own fault. 
and we will be innocent. But if anyone with you in the house should be harmed, his death will be our fault. And if you report our mission, we are free from this oath you made us swear. Let it be as you say, she replied. She sent them away, and after they had gone, she tied the scarlet cord to the window. The first thing Rahab does, after the spies leave her house, she takes that scarlet cord and she ties it in the window of her house as if to say to the world, I have decided to trust in the God of Israel and I will depend on him and him alone for my salvation. And she tied that scarlet cord and hung that cord out her window. Her loyalties have completely shifted and she has found strength and courage to trust in God alone. Verse 22, so the two men went into the hill country and stayed there three days until the pursuers had returned. They searched all along the way but did not find them. Then the men returned. They came down from the hill country and crossed the Jordan. They went to Joshua, son of Nun, and reported everything that had happened to them. They told Joshua, The Lord has handed over the entire land to us. Everyone who lives in the land is also panicking because of us. Implication? Everyone except Rahab. The news of who God is and what God has done, the the truth of what God has promised and planned for everybody in Jericho was the scariest and worst news they'd ever heard, except for Rahab. The news of all who God was and everything God has done, everything God promised to do, his very plans for Rahab became the greatest news she'd ever heard. And it burst forth into strength and courage. What was the difference between Rahab and everybody else in Jericho? It's not that no one else in Jericho could turn to God and experience his mercy It's just that no one else did except Rahab. The difference between Rahab and everybody else in Jericho was Rahab believed in the God of Israel. And she shifted her loyalties to him and him alone. You know, there's another story in the book of Judges that's very similar to the story of Rahab. There were some spies sent into a city to figure out how God might give God's people the city. So the spies went in and they ran into somebody who was willing to show kindness to the spies and help them figure out how to best take the city. After this individual had shown kindness to the spies, he said to the spies, I would like to make a deal with you. Because I've shown you kindness, would you show me kindness and spare me from this judgment? And the spies said, yes, if you keep this matter to yourself, we will show kindness to you and you will be spared. It happened just like it happened in Jericho. But the contrast between Rahab and this man in Judges chapter 1 
is that Rahab shifted her loyalties completely to the God of Israel. And this man in Judges chapter 1, you know what he did? After he was spared, he went and built his own city. And he named that city Luz. You know what the name Luz means? It means the wrong path. No matter what courage you muster in life, if your courage is not coming out of a shift of loyalties to the one true God, your courage, no matter how much you've mustered, will always be the incorrect path. Lost. The difference between that man and his lostness and Rahab and her courage is that Rahab trusted completely in the God of Israel. We we see the evidence of her loyalty in how she lived her life. You you, you see this, this experience coming out of her as she went to her family and started to tell them about the message of her shifted loyalties. Think about the risk to her own life and going around to various family members and telling them, hey, mom and dad, let's sit down for a second. We need to have a talk. I know this is going to sound crazy. I know that this is probably going to be so far beyond what you think could be really happening. This can be hard for you to believe. But I've had a conversation with some spies from the God of Israel's people. I believe that God is the one true God. He's the God of heaven and earth. And I've decided to be loyal to that God. And I've asked them to save us. And I've got this scarlet cord I'm going to hang out the window. And if we hang this scarlet cord out the window and we all get in our house, that when the people of Israel come to wipe out the city because this little thread is hanging out our window, we will be saved for real. And you hear her mom and dad or brothers and sisters going, Rahab, you're a prostitute. Like, Why would they want to save you? You don't stand for anything the people of Israel stand for. You don't follow anything that the God of Israel wants his people to follow. We've heard the stories. We know about what's happened. We've we've heard all the things that have happened. Why you? And a scarlet thread? Seriously, that's going to save us? This is the craziest story ever. Can you hear that exchange happening? And, and, And Rahab is passionately, I can just see her passionately exhorting her family, believe with me. This scarlet thread will be our salvation. Just come into my house. and You can see her corralling her family into her house. This great display of her faith. You see, God intends for His glory to bring forth blossoming, blossoming faith so that the story of faith spreads to others. That's what God does. That's who He is. That's why we find strength and courage because when we placed our trust in Him. He brings forth something that's worth telling every time. I mean, Israel trusted the Lord as they left Egypt and the stories made their way all the way to Jericho so that an entire city knew the details of how God had delivered the people from Egypt. He had split the Red Sea. He had overcome the kings of the Amorites. They knew. 
The stories had spread. Rahab hears the story. She believes in the God of Israel. And the first thing she begins to go do is tell the stories of her own salvation and all those in her household with her family so that they might believe in the scarlet thread story and be saved. God wants his people to be strong and courageous. And so when his people believe in him, they find through their trust in him strength and courage. And Rahab is an amazing example. She she didn't do anything to merit her deliverance. She didn't do anything to merit strength and courage that she displayed through trusting in the God of Israel. She did nothing. In fact, the scripture makes it very clear on multiple occasions that Rahab is a prostitute. Right after we're told she's a prostitute, we're told she's a liar. She's from Jericho. You know what Jericho's doing? They're worshiping idols. Rahab is a prostitute, a liar, and an idol worshiper. And that's just what we know. There's no telling what else we don't know about Rahab. But isn't it good news that out of the well overflowing with brokenness and sin, faith comes forth and changes a family? Isn't it good news Because aren't we all Rahab? Is there anyone here whose faith did not spring forth in God out of a well of brokenness and sin? That's where faith comes from every single time. It comes out of a well of brokenness and sin. We don't have courage and strength in and of ourselves that leads to life change. We don't have any of that. All we have out of the well of our brokenness and sin is our faith in God through Jesus Christ. But through that faith in God, through Jesus Christ, who died for us to forgive us of our sins, who rose again from the dead so that he might send his spirit so that we are never alone. Out of that faith springs forth courage and strength that is simply about the grace of God. God doesn't have any other choices but a bunch of Rahab's. And I'm sure glad he was okay with using Rahab. The amazing truth of Rahab's strength and courage is only amazing when we all realize we are Rahab. And God loves us. He loves you. When Rahab believed in the God of Israel, she burst forth with strength and courage that changed her family. But you know it was far more significant than just her family. We know that Rahab shifted loyalties completely because she becomes an Israelite and she gets married to a man named Salmon 
Can you imagine this Israelite man who now is marrying this former prostitute from Jericho turned Israelite because of her faith in God and her courage to stand in her faith with a scarlet thread out her window. She marries this man named Salmon. And Salmon and Rahab, they have a little boy. They're now a family in Israel. Don't you know that Rahab sewed into that little boy's life out of the courage and strength she found through trusting in the God of Israel. Don't you know she, heard, she told stories to that little boy as he grew up about what it was like to be in Jericho. Don't you know that she told stories as he grew up and became a young man about what it's like to be a prostitute and find the mercy of God and be woven into the people of God and to find a husband among the people of God and have a brand new life? Don't you know that he heard those stories as he grew up? In the days of the judges, there was a family who left Bethlehem because of famine and They moved to Moab, and in Moab, this family of a husband and wife and two boys began to grow up, and those two boys met two women among the Moabite people, and they got married. While they were in Moab, the dad died, and then the two sons died, and the mom was left with her two daughter-in-laws. Naomi, the mom, wanted to go back to Bethlehem. And so she said to her two daughter-in-laws, you stay here, find your life. I cannot help you find the life you deserve. One of the daughter-in-laws accepted that and went on her way. The other daughter-in-law, Ruth, said to Naomi, where you go, I will go. Where you live, I will live. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die. Do not let me be separated from you. May God punish me severely if I don't spend my life right next to you. And so Ruth, the Moabitess, goes back to Bethlehem with Naomi. Two widows without any means. The daughter-in-law resorts to gathering grain in a field. Because God instructed his people to not gather the things that are dropped, but to allow them to be picked up by those who are impoverished and poor, widows, can't take care of themselves. Ruth is gathering grain in a field. Do you know whose field that was? It was a man named Boaz. And Boaz took notice of Ruth. And he heard the stories about Ruth that she was from Moab. And she had left Moab and come Back to Israel to say that this God of Israel would be her God. She had given up everything and she had shifted all her loyalty. She was a foreigner. Widow. Lowly. Begging. And Boaz fell in love with her. He was the kinsman redeemer. He redeemed her from that life. And he made her his wife. Unbelievable compassion by Boaz. You ever wonder why? Because his mom was a former prostitute from Jericho named Rahab. Isn't that amazing? 
Boaz and Ruth, they have a little boy named Obed. And Obed grows up and he gets married and he has a little boy named Jesse. And Jesse grows up and gets married and has a little boy named David. And he becomes the king of Israel. And from the line of David comes Jesus Christ. When Rahab's believe in God, God gives them strength and courage that will change their lives and the world around them beyond what they could ever imagine. This is the God who's inviting us to trust Him. Can you imagine Jesus Christ when he was a kid having a conversation with Mary, his mom, saying, Mom, will you tell me some stories about our past? Tell us about what our family was like way long ago, like way before I was here. And Mary saying, I want to tell you a story about your great, 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 great grandma. Her name was Rahab. Jesus, she was a prostitute. But she believed in the God of Israel. And the God of Israel saved her. And if not for her strength and courage, where would our family be? Jesus, don't ever forget that every person, even prostitutes, matter. Can't you hear Jesus saying to his mom, Mom, don't worry. I'm going to love all the Rahabs of the world. Jesus loves you. Believe in him. Strength and courage are as simple as believing in God. Believe him. Believe in him. And you will see him use you from strength and courage that's a gift from him that will have implications for your life your family for generations to come God wants to change you and your world needs you to find God and let him change you more than you can ever imagine Can you imagine what it was like for Joshua to walk into Jericho? The walls are down. All except for the one little section of wall where Rahab's house is. And he walks up to Rahab's house, knocks on that door, and says, I want to meet Rahab. And he meets Rahab, and he thinks to himself, if Rahab can display strength and courage, so can I. So can you. So can you. Because God loves you. And he's waiting for us to believe.